about to be a completely unreliable asshole. Moonlight Tim. Hmm. Good morning. Hi. Hi. And hello and good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone out there. Good October. Good o- happy October oh. too. It's nice oh, to be I here. I love October so much. It's been October since our last episode too. I know, but it for feels us recording, this like is like fall <laughs> for real. I know it really changed like a like on like a, a dime here ago, in LA two days ago or something like that. I just suddenly was like, oh yeah, slept with the window open last night. We gotta finish saying hello to who we're saying hello to, Tim. Who? Everyone listening. Oh, hi, listeners. Do you want to tell them what the show is? The the show that we're creating right now? Yes. It's called Dismembering Horror. It's a podcast shoe where myself, Tim Aslan. And myself, Ryan McDuffie. We dismember a horror film every week. We talk about what worked for us and what didn't work for us. And then we talk about some things of note. And then we make some recommendations. Mm -hmm. That's what we call our recommendations, which now (laughs) doesn't sound like a real word to me (laughs) anymore. Because we're just so casual. What's your recommendation? Oh, yeah. yeah, When I recommended this. It's... it's, (laughs) Pretty fluid. Um, and since it's October, we decided to do the Psycho movies. And yes, so we everyone. started in and did Psycho 2. That's this week. It's so good. Okay, Tim, I kind of lost you all there okay. in, in wrapping it up voice mode. So I want to reiterate, we're doing something very special for this month of mm-hmm. October. I'm very excited about. It's the first of four episodes covering a series which is what we determined could be a special something to do. So today's episode is all on Psycho 2. Then after that, you might guess we're moving on to Psycho 3. And then after that is Psycho 4, the beginning. (laughs) And then we're going to wrap it up for releasing on Halloween, an episode on the original 1960 Psycho, which uh, will be kind of an experiment for us because it's uh, while this film, while this podcast is really about dinging up maybe some of the more i don't know i don't know trying to have conversations about things that interest us which largely is dependent on not a lot of conversations having been done on them before certainly psycho has had a lot of conversations already (laughs) undoubtedly but but we've had some requests for it so uh we're gonna give it a shot see what happens see what we can add if anything to said conversation a lot of hot air. <laughs> Which you know, Tim, I guess, in, in not our defense. And whoever is telling us to, that they want to hear it, there's something to, like, I get this when I listen to our friends' retro reviews. I really think there's something inherently to just in, you're going to be somewhere different in history. Like, to keep it going, sure. even though it's been done to death, like a lot of what we're thinking <laughs> of. I get it. <laughs> what has been done to death. Uh, we're, we're thinking of, like, documentaries on AMC in the mm-hmm. early 2000s, you oh, know? Yeah. And, yeah, and, no, and there's, you know, other examples, too, more recent. But just to, might as well, you know, actually check up with our 2019 perspective. I think what you're trying to say is that... Um, our opinion is super valid and needs to be heard out in the world. <laughs> I, maybe I'm more just <laughs> telling ourselves that our opinion isn't any less than it. We're, we're so worried about people thinking that we think our opinion is more that we get so caught up in right. it, treating ourselves that it's less. So 
Whatever. So we're going to give it anyway. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I love these movies. You're going to learn about that as we go on Psycho 2. Mm -hmm. Anything else to add before we uh, get into it here? Tim just shot a movie this last weekend. I did, yeah. In our, in our, in your podcaster here's other lives. We're filmmakers. We're coming at with from that angle. Did it go well, Tim? Can you be quick? It was insane. Four days. We had to deal with weather delays. We had to deal with just the insanity of trying to shoot 25 different setups in one day. But had you, some delays. Had got, to deal with the sun. Like we were in a canyon, so the sun we got less sun than we want, right? Because mm-hmm. it comes up late and goes down early. So it was scary. We got the last shot on the busiest day five seconds before the shadow, like of the sun, ruined the shot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like screaming at everybody. <laughs> I was like, the sun's going down. But you got the shot. We, we've got thirty seconds. You did it. <laughs> yeah, but we did it, and it was. It's very. It's a huge relief because I've spent about a year prepping for this one. Cool. And now it's in the can. Keep us posted. When I shall. Premieres. Anywhere, somewhere. Yeah, yeah somewhere. Somehow. <laughs> um, okay, about to do our trailer here, but the last thing is just to keep your attention for all four episodes, listeners. I called Tim, Moonlight Tim, at the beginning of this show, at the head of our show here. Now, that is a roundabout reference to the series being discussed, but to figure out what it means, if you can't figure it out on your own, you're going to have to wait till our fourth episode oh. of the original Psycho. Psycho. We'll, we'll play it as our, our outro music for that episode. How about nice. and explain it then? Sounds good. All right. A riddle. <laughs> Great. Here is the trailer for Psycho 2. I have a petition here signed by 743 people against Norman Bates' release. Madam, please sit down. This matter is being represented by the district attorney. Norman was not convicted of murder. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Don't you realize they're going to release a homicidal maniac? I'm asking you to sit down, Mrs. Loomis. It's all too obvious. Our courts protect the criminals, not their victims. Bates is judged, restored to sanity, and is ordered released forthwith. It's 22 years later, and Norman Bates is coming home. I own a motel not too far from here, and you'd be welcome to spend the night in one of the empty rooms if you'd like. Good night, Mary. And he's back in business. Who is this? My mother is dead. That's a little misleading. What? Having the music from the first one in the trailer. Okay, keep in mind, Tim, when I edit these, I'd only put in like the first minute. Oh. So, so what? <laughs> okay. Well, they put in the music from the first one in the trailer. At the Sorry, end. I didn't mean to snap. It's just How I always you? get, whenever you pick up referring to something like that's of the trailer ending, <laughs> I'm always just like, what am I going to do? Am I going <laughs> to just have the last minute of the trailer this time? Am I going to just... Just go with it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So then what Tim was referring to was at the end of the trailer, which I'm guessing I'm going to edit so you didn't just hear. (laughs) Yeah. Uses the original Psycho music. Yeah. Ring, ring, ring. Something I dearly missed. Mm. Mm. Because it's so good. I just have to go watch the first one in three weeks. Yeah. Or we could go today to the new Beverly's (gasps) showing it. I don't have time for that. All right. It's tempting, though. Yeah. Have you seen it in theaters? No. 
Oh, it's that would be awesome. I saw the double screening. With I saw the freaks uh, at midnight. A midnight oh, screening. I saw the Cruise. remake one in the theater. That's not what I had. That I know. That's as close as I've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing the titles, Psycho yeah, on the big yeah, screen. exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, how'd you feel? Well, well, how I felt for our rating system. Would I avoid it? Stream it, rent it, or buy it. Tim, I want to own the collection of these films. <laughs> wow. Okay. This is a buy it for Right me. out the gate. We've only seen one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I've seen them all. <laughs> I know. For some, so for some, my background of my history with these films is, well, I mean, like any film buff, love the original, but it was last Halloween when I sat down and watched all the sequels. Oh, yeah. Something was, was calling me about them. I think there's been... In, increased interest kind of a la exorcist three of people <laughs> rediscovering it or saying hey maybe this one's actually better than than people uh you know i don't know or maybe it's less than better or worse but more just not kind of discussed at all i don't think i saw the third exorcist well, let's check it out huh <laughs> maybe we should do that one huh. <laughs> um last halloween we watched halloween the the new one right yeah around yeah. that time that's I mean, right because and out. I and I bought the original and didn't watched we see it, it right. on Halloween I think for Maybe, you and I yeah <laughs> I don't yes I think we might have yeah that's Forget. cool anyway so cool you're a buy you're a hard buy so okay you're a, yeah you're a so quad buy I really fell in love with the original these sequels like only increase my love for the original because it's all Anthony Perkins it's all Norman Bates I think as a whole like well we'll get into this one. They do this one. Yeah, it does a really good job of um, using, I mean, I mean, I just don't want to get into what worked. How do I put it in summary? 22 <laughs> years later, it's like a great jumping off point. It doesn't feel like it's too sacrilegious for me. Like it's, uh -huh. it's like chronologically removed enough. Uh -huh. But here's the thing. Like I, you know, I love horror clearly. And I think. The, I think Norman Bates is my favorite like character in any, if you want to call him horror villain, protagonist, sure. and whatever centerpiece character in any horror film or franchise. And maybe I can I mean as far, and that's because of a character study reason, mm -hmm. you know, it's endlessly just fascinating to me. And I can't really think of even outside of horror, like who I'm more fascinated by actually wow um willard <laughs> <laughs> you're right <laughs> no but I, mean, I get what you're saying maybe that's you know we what we were saying like with that willard is kind of coming off of this though mm -hmm. and i always like to say though the, the original the is something the the purest the most potent yada yada right um so that's got it going on for me in this one and uh, I'll get into more reasons why it worked for me as we continue into what worked. So I, yeah, I would be, I'm a rent. It, it's, it's worth it to me to rent this. I'm not a buy. Um, well, <laughs> there's, there's kind of like three reasons why I'm not a buy that we'll get into. Mm -hmm. um, but I, yeah, I mean, I liked it. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, that world is great. So I was, I'm just excited to keep going into like <laughs> yeah. see where like how much more like further are they gonna go into that world and like where and how <laughs> so yeah i think it's cool i know i'm already excited for watching the third one yeah <laughs> Next. yeah definitely all right 
Well, uh, how would we summarize it? Well, like you said, 22 years later, Norman gets miraculously released from the insane asylum, which I think is pretty amazing. I want to push back on your miraculously. I think 22 years is a lot of time. That's true. That's true. But he killed a lot of people. But like, as he said, like in the the trailer we just watched, and I think that's an actual thing to come, you know, when you're clinically insane, Uh it's not like this entity Norman Bates did it. It's like that's and that's sort of the the paradoxical, you know, horror of this story. A lot of it and Mm -hmm. how are like. Our system tries yeah, to deal like, with that. And does redemption, is is redemption possible? Oh, in, yeah. Internal redemption or external, you know, like, I think it's really cool. Um, so he gets out and he goes back to his house, which <laughs> maybe not the best no, place No, and for that him. is what the social worker Robert Loggia says. <laughs> yeah, are you sure you wanted to be doing this? <laughs> exactly. And then Dennis Farina, uh, what's his last name? Dennis Farina? Fra- the guy from... Hill Street Blues or whatever it was. Dennis Franz. Franz, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not Lou Farina, the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, right. So Dennis Franz is just a fucking dirtbag uh, working the, the motel now. Yeah, he's turned his once, you know, uh, beautiful little motel. Yeah. No stain in history whatsoever. <laughs> right. Into um, a, a drug-laden hookup sort of seedy right. area of uh, whatever small township they're a part of. Yeah, and so... It's really just the the story is Norman trying to literally put his life back together. And, you know, we just sit there waiting for like the penny to drop. Yeah. And I guess it's a story of it's sort of a a give take of sort of what are outside forces actually propelling him to go insane again. Yeah. And what is his own internal maybe just um dormant insanity that's coming out right and like how are those interacting which ones to blame and then people start dying mm-hmm. and we have to figure out what's going on is it because the setup of you know coming out of psycho where we've we've been so you know the the reveal of the original is so strong to be like oh he he's so crazy that he doesn't even really realize that he's talking he's taking on his mother's persona Mm -hmm. and so that 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 essentially that lost time for for the norman character then becomes the big sort of setup for this when anything happens we we have to at least acknowledge that maybe he's the one doing stuff Mm -hmm. and he doesn't even know it and that's a that's a really fun setup. And then there's some twists and turns that kind of play off of that, which is great. And so, uh, if you have any interest in watching this, I'd say, yeah, we're going to get into these twists and turns, which we so uh, we're going to be talking about openly. So, you know, maybe watch it first. Yeah, be prepared. <laughs> yeah. We're getting into all the twists and turns here, which we do openly on the show. But I do yeah. try to mention something when it's one that we think is... Well, we can both agree it's worth renting. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely go watch this before you listen to the rest of what we're about to say. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, but that's, you know, I mean, that's antics and Sue. Yeah, let's, okay, okay, that was good. So let's, we get into it, what worked? <laughs> do we have to do anything else? No. Oh, great, yeah, let's do that. All right, what worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? What worked for you? What worked for you? 
I guess what I just said, the setup mm-hmm. coming off of like one of the greatest horror films of all time that that's helpful. Well, and like what I already said, like <laughs> that 22 year gap yeah. is just where I can buy into it. Like you have multi-generational separation mm-hmm. at this point and it's sort of, I mean, it's, it's super interesting to have the Vera Miles character, the sister from the original playing yeah. the same part coming yeah. back. I think that's really important to this, to making this movie work. Yeah. Is having her right up at the front being like, no fucking way. And she seems though, like the, in that setting, she seems like the sort of unhinged, yes. crazy one. She's like, okay. I mean, when you kind of though zoom out too, it, it does seem that way. Like, okay, well, you know, this woman spent 22 years of her life on some vendetta against someone who genuinely wants to get better. Yeah. Like, I but mean, to me, yeah, I'm, she I'm killed like, her family. Right. <laughs> to me, I, I'm like that, having that right at the top, I'm like, I'm with her. Mm. Like, I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Of course. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're coming off as a, like a little over the top, but you're so justified in my mind. Like, yeah. I'm like, fuck yeah, you would be, I'd be pissed too. I'd be like, no, you, don't let this motherfucker out. He killed my sister. But I mean, I, I really get on board though and like about it, what the film is doing as far as our, our relation, how we feel about each of them. I mean, you're going to have, feel how you feel, but I feel like it does reverse the hero villain. Right. Like Norman's so sympathetic. Like he just wants to work at a diner. He knows about his problems. He carries himself differently. He's like, I understand now what I was going through. Like everything he's saying, all the right things. And more so than that actually feels that. Well, and and that makes him, it really does turn him more into a tragic character. Mm -hmm. And that like sitting there watching this guy who, who, on the outside, at least, or ostensibly, as far as we can tell, really does want to be a good person. And he's he just has sort of a, a, conf, a conflict or an affliction that may or may not rise to the surface again. Oh, and that's really sad in a way. It's like yeah. it's almost sort of like if somebody's, you know, battling alcoholism and they've been like sober for a long time and dedicated to that. And then they fall off the wagon. It's like you don't you're not like. You asshole, you're like, oh, shit, I feel so, I'm sorry that you're, that that's where you're at. Right. You know? So to get into what's going on too, which we glossed over in the summary, the spoilers, it's like, so you have, I'm just Vera Miles' character, Lila, that's right. (laughs) So it's, it's at what it's like to what you just said, the, the, you know, so an alcoholic, it's as if you have Lila Loomis and her daughter in cahoots with her leaving like bottles of alcohol yeah. around saying, drink me, Norman, drink me. <laughs> yeah, no like, shit. That's so it's messed so up. fucked up. Yeah. And what you said, it that's being a, evil shit. What, so that like making that yeah. the sort of the evil of the movie is fucking awesome. Well, like what you just called it a tragedy. That for me is that's what grabs me. I think so yeah. much about the sequel is the horror and just ugh, how, how sick you feel watching it. Because the first one it's such a great standalone, just like horror story. Right. You know, this is a yeah, great, great beginning and twist, blah, 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 short story. But this, yeah, it turns it into a tragedy, which with, yeah, as I just said, so the twist is we have one of the two twists is that we have Lila <laughs> Loomis. Right. And uh, we didn't really mention the summary, but a big part of the summary that we should have mentioned is we have Meg Tilly as Mary, 
who right. turns out who, who's basically like is befriending um, Anthony. It's his Norman Bates. <laughs> And um, we think it's like Norman Bates is like is kind of stepping over his boundaries, getting her to stay with him or whatever, right. or being a little weird. And it works out and she's desperate. But actually, she's there deliberately to mess with him yeah. on behest of her mother. And, she, you know, to her, I guess, character's credit, she she has sort of a change of heart as she gets to know Norman, which then pushes us further into the sympathy of Norman because she's we're seeing it through her. Yeah. Where she's like, hang on, he's not really that bad and actually what we're doing is way more psychotic <laughs> than yeah. than he is and that she, like that's fucking brilliant yeah um we're gonna be all over the place with this but you just got me thinking how she sells that so well which then makes me want to talk about the <laughs> casting and the performances yeah. like she's perfect casting for that person who kind of you could see being caught up with whatever ruse whatever whoever they're close to really getting kind of you know feeling that immediate sympathy for them so having the mother be like how tortured she is and we have to do this i guess you're getting caught up with that just as much as i believed her just really feeling for norman when they're scenes together she's she's a really interesting type i guess or casting yeah like she's got this sort of she's sort of got this uh dual nature of seeming very vulnerable at times or even naive at times Mm -hmm. and then also (laughs) at the same time like quite sort of uh strong-willed and like assertive yeah and it's this weird almost all-knowing like i just trust her as a person yeah it's a very interesting character and i mean they just found a really good person to be in this role yeah. because it it fits and it and it creates this ambiguity for a, a lot of the movie where you're like i like her but should i like her yeah like is what is going on is mm-hmm. is she like are we allowed to trust her or not and then by the end we're really just like she's got her own whole host of issues too yeah i mean with her her mother <laughs> makes sense well, which yeah. is cool. It makes it all. I love that about that. This makes it all interconnected, like this sort of story with all these branches going out of just this one. You know, what would you call it? And that's sort of another deeper theme it's of this a, is kind of the the spider web of of all of these things. Well, the right? deeper theme of like where is the evil originally mm-hmm. rooted? Is it just in his circumstance and how he was raised? Is it just there's which we'll get into like with the other sequels is mm. the belief that there's just something wrong with him. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a little bit, I mean, in a weird way, we're kind of, it's, it's the whole, um, pre- not premise, uh, the whole ah, umbrella of like nature versus nurture in a way. Yeah. We're sort of saying like, if he doesn't have these outside things, you know, pushing him, would he be okay? Mm-hmm. And or is it just inherent to him? Is he just going to, you know, fall off the ledge eventually? Yeah. Because that's just who he is. And that dance of those two things throughout the movie is actually really fun because there's a point where it's like he's he is definitely hallucinating that somebody is calling him. Right. You know what I mean? And he he starts to slip into like his own psychosis. Maybe why I like this movie is because, I mean... That's so 
I won't, I won't even say any of this stuff. It's, it's, it's not, it's not that it's not up for debate because there's a clear answer. I think it's not up for debate because there's no clear answer kind of thing, right. but the sort of, or the answer is a combination of them all kind of thing. But the element that I'm always attracted to or like that maybe doesn't get talked up as much in sort of nature versus nurture and, or just stories like this of horrible doings and happenings committed by people is how they are really a ref, a mere towards everything else they are doing it like as a reactionary mm-hmm. in a way like so in this film we just see norman's from the get-go kind of being almost like it's great because then we we see it's sort of a, a we see a contrast between the people at the diner who are like we welcome you back norman hope right. he's doing good and then immediately then you also have like the guy dennis franz coming back <laughs> at the diner and calling him the titular he's a psycho right he's a psycho which is a psycho thing to say <laughs> yeah to make a scene like that that's what fucking like assholes do right like fucked up sociopaths do that shit right so it's just you I don't know it's like subtler forms of uh sociopathic right. tendencies that well, it just that is then what snaps Norman into the yeah. killing. But it is the it, it it's the gray area of the fragility of our psych, our psyches in general. Like mm-hmm. we're all, you know, one moment away from just a fucking complete break. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just how you know, how thick is the glass mm-hmm. for you? Mm-hmm. And how hard is the the force smashing up against the glass? And you know, I, it's like yeah, I loved it when we everybody's do see, somewhere on that spectrum. When we see Norman being stronger, though, where he's like, uh, you know, he's just so mad at Den- Dennis Franz when he sees him like the state of the motel, but he doesn't, you know, kill him. He's he's keeping it together. He hey, fires him. He keeps it together when Dennis Franz is like in the diner flipping out, and he like could just grab a knife and kill him. Oh right, that was and a he, good like, moment. He like backs right down, and it's like holy shit. <laughs> good for you, Norman. Well, to sort of uh, tie it back to. If, overarching umbrella of just going through the cast and the performances I already kind of touched on it but um anthony perkins the way he's playing this as norman bates 22 years later i think has done so so well like i i believe it yeah. i buy it that he's like i know about myself now like him and robert loggia who's his caseworker <laughs> dr bill raymond you can see like their whole just kind of relationship mm-hmm. <laughs> like you you buy that there's this 22 year thing that's happened between them really working hard together his uh perkins is doing a couple really just really pl- to me pleasing acting things that are super subtle but like really uh they're they're unsettling mm-hmm. so he I don't know if this is just who he is or if this is like a thing he's like, I'm going to do this thing. But he almost he doesn't really close his mouth. So his mouth is always just a little bit open Mm -hmm. and it's very unsettling to me. Like that's not usually how people exist. And so when he smiles and even when he talks, he's sort of one half of his mouth is just slightly open. He's kind of coming out through that one half and he smirks with one side of his mouth a lot. Yeah, it's freaky as fuck. I, and he does God, a couple eye, tw- eye sort of like little, like flitting of the eye stuff, and right. like little twitchy sort of look over. Well, why it's, like it's so it's fucking so good. perfect for Norman. And why I think one of the things I just love about his character so much is you see like that little that little smile that's almost always there. It's kind of this almost like 
all you got to do in the face of horrors of the world is just smile back, right, you right. know, which is like, it's like the Chaplin song where, where that isn't, where that isn't true, <laughs> you know, right. of, uh, in order to smile, you have to do it in face of death, not in a, mm-hmm. you know, um, in denial of it, I guess, <laughs> right, right. in a sort of way. So it's almost a sort of a suppression of evils versus an acceptance of evils where yeah. you just see the smile being put on or like and you said his, his twitches. Oh, dude. So good. <laughs> but it is, it's like we, as humans, like we kind of put masks on in certain scenarios mm-hmm. that, that really defy our 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 actual emotional state mm-hmm. you know like something i just in the world that really i'm all is really unsettling to me is there's there's certain people who their automatic defensive response to discomfort or like awkwardness is to smile or laugh and i'm always like ooh like it's freaky because I know say, that that's a mask. Awkward, right? Yeah. Like I'm always like, oh, I don't like that. It's like really unsettling to me because it's 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 an add-on yeah. to how they're actually feeling, mm-hmm. and it's like, Ugh. so him doing it in this little sort of subtle like way is just yeah. fucking great. Well, it's like indicative just what I, his psychosis too, but more like um. I don't know, but I say why he's one of those powerful, potent, sort of emblematic figures of this kind of uh, killer psychosis, split personality psychosis in that sense. Because like, okay, okay, maybe this is better saved. I don't know. It's overall, we're talking about psycho here. This is more for the first one. But like, you have like Norman Bates. He's such like the likable kind of 1960 every man. Goss jolly, but like very super like approachable. He might as well be Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, like exactly is the next sort of incarnation of that in a way, especially with uh, the character's name being Mary in this. Like it's a wonderful life. Yeah. I just kept thinking Mary, (laughs) Mary. Yeah. 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 In my head. So so it's a, it's a wonderful life guy and, and view of the world sort of like, there's always a horror that exists where like, even though it's a wonderful life is, is great. I think it's a great, great film. I know you've maybe not as crazy about it, Tim, or haven't seen it or given I, it I a mean, fair I, shake or I, you just I, don't, I know what it is. We shouldn't get into that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, sorry. I think it is a horror film. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. No, just the perspective at any given point in history, when a nice thing is shown, there's also a flip side to that, that we have to like, either accept or ignore at any given point. Yeah. And so something about like that switch at that time of like 1960s seeing Norman Bates at the ending, you know, saying, you know, I wouldn't even swat a fly like that mm, far mm-hmm, deep his mm-hmm. psychosis is. And then, you know, this getting all this, the mother stuff too. I'm sorry. I, was, I meant to go make more of a point with that, but <laughs> Well, I mean, I think it's just sort of a testament to how rich of a character he is yeah. in the first place. And then they've taken that and just, you know, stepped on the gas. Right. I like, guess, how do we yeah. how do we get this character involved in in something that A, makes us uncomfortable, but B, makes us like feel like we want to root for him? Right. Because it's it's hard to root for him after the first one. Mm-hmm. Right. And they've. They've done a really smart thing of being like, let's let's get some separation and let's kind of turn the tables on what it means to be, quote unquote, psycho. Yeah. And and how gray that can really be. Right. That's great because suddenly we're going 
fuck, we're all like, and I, I we're th- all fucked up. I think that's where I was going with that all was just, yeah, exactly. Is it we're all fucked up. There's always like an element of veneer and that's just a human mm. thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, how we're dealing with that at any given time can be exploited. Yeah. For horror. Um, should we talk about some sort of tech- more technical things? Yeah. Or a, anything else with those? the cast? Robert Loggia is always great. We talked um, about Meg Tilly. Um, Dennis Franz was very good as a yeah. likable guy. And then yeah, and then all we really had left was um, Emma Spool. Oh, the sheriff. The sheriff was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'll mention in another <laughs> section. And then Vera Miles just being mad. Yeah, yeah I, and I will say, like, I, th- I think having her in the opening scene, there was a moment where I was like, I wonder if that's it yeah. for her. Like, she's not going to come back. And then as we progressed a little bit and there's some intrigue, like something's mysteriously up. I was like, Oh shit, she's coming back around. Mm-hmm. Like she's going to be behind this. <laughs> um, so, you know, and, and that's mostly true, mm-hmm. but not entirely true. So um, yeah, maybe this, okay. This is a sort of in between. You said you want to get to some technical stuff. This is kind of a, a segue level thing of, that I liked what worked for me. That's what we're doing here. All right. Um, but it, it really delivered for me in kind of like a simple way too, as well as all the thematic things of just kind of like how a sequel expands a world, like just getting to kind of be in the kitchen for the first time that we never saw the original or getting like hmm. a different perspective on the house. Like there's that high well, angle. That's, interesting that's shot what, of it. some of the stuff I um, want to talk about. Cause that shit is good. Yeah, and just, just some shots around the house of like, Oh, there's the piano there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it felt it felt true to the spirit and like the bones of Psycho. It, that but an expansion of yeah, that. That's yeah. what I think is so cool. Is that they did say like they could have just been like let's just match everything right and stay in that zone. And they're like no no no. There's more. Let's let's broaden what we know about this world. Right, and that's which is like hit or miss. But it can be sequels. But, yeah, or, or I wouldn't say hit or miss. It's it's either completely overlooked or done well. You know, <laughs> right, almost. right, right. Um, but I got the sense of the house was. I mean, I, like, there's a point where I'm like, this this fucking house is like the architecture is fucking completely insane. <laughs> yeah, there's like. All these different fucking levels going on on the second floor. There's <laughs> right. like a landing and then you go, if you go left, it's like one level, which we've seen from the original. Yeah. But if you keep going straight, you go up like th- uh, one step to a landing to three steps and then turn around and you're on, you're three f- or so feet higher. Mm-hmm. And then that's this sort of like midway, almost attic level it's like a mid floor yeah it's so fucking disorienting and weird and like there's that whole sequence where mary is like uh i think she's cleaning up the blood that came out of the the toilet Mm -hmm. and realizes that hole in the wall is there and somebody's looking through it and like she runs out and it's like the directionality of things are so disorienting because mm-hmm. you think, oh, you just run out and go around the corner because it's that shared wall. But it's like she has to go out and go left and then right and then downstairs <laughs> and then around. Down a few stairs. That's it. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Like three steps. Yeah. And then go right and then into the room. And you're like, I don't even know what fucking direction it's I'm really in. It's really cool. It's so smart. It works on that psychological, not only just to kind of in that shining way of like, where exactly. are we? Yeah. But also just like um, that 
that room that's the mother's nest yeah. kind of overlooking everything it's neat that it's kind of a few steps down or mm-hmm. whatever it gives it this sort of uh air of uh separateness and yeah it's really it, freaky yeah it's like you descend into it while at the same time it's a perch i don't know <laughs> right yeah no it's just cool i and i wonder i don't really know much about the sort of the actual set mm-hmm. but the house obviously we've like gone on the universal tour and you go buy it are they filming in that house or is it a totally different set i'm pretty sure right it's fucking awesome cuz i mean it's all i mean they're certainly doing exteriors cuz it's not like it wasn't built as a house it's built as a set that also functions yeah. you know yeah so it makes me think that like the original house was probably pretty rudimentary in terms of what know, they cause... built inside of it. Yeah. And then they just were like, let's just fucking get nutso and add a bunch of Let's figure that out for sure shit. by uh, the next episode. Yeah, yeah. It's cool, though. I really uh, like it. Also, like, talking about the layout of the house, how, isn't it kind of like in um, Texas Chainsaw of, I like, maybe, no, it's, I was going to say how the kitchen is behind the stairs. In Texas Chainsaw, it's this little, where, where he hangs her up on the hook is behind <laughs> right, the stairs. But right. something just about that, like, hall next to a staircase going up and i think just because there are other connections between this and texas chainsaw is always interesting something creepy about that yeah yeah and it oh man getting to like the kills maybe that they get a good staircase fall at this Mm -hmm. one that utilize the unique architecture of the house to fall (laughs) precisely on a knife (laughs) yeah like on hitting a banister oh my god yeah, the at one point too, like we get to sort of expand on the basement and oh, yeah. like see how you know because in I think if I remember right when we see the basement in the original we kind of only really see it from like a shot reverse shot, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's really it. We get it from all sorts of angles here and like yeah. there's multiple ways to get in. There's windows. There's like the double door. Um, storm doors from mm. outside there's see like the whole little i love seeing the whole little like hideaway stone you know if it's like a stone oh, ground yeah yeah exactly um, there's a floor. there's a coal chute you know like it's just it's just <laughs> fucking they just went nuts they're like let's just put everything in there yeah <laughs> it's fucking great well it's kind of almost like oh well there's stuff here what was it before i don't know it just sort of again it's 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 building on it yet it's also just what was there to begin with too right Right. and i think that yeah i guess what i'm sort of broadly pleased about is that there's all these iconic images from the first one and i think you could get maybe you can make the mistake of just trying to sort of be you know what do you call it when you you're just copying the the thing and just sort of doing a rehash of yeah. it yeah but they don't they they acknowledge and then move further on it it's like true sequel no right. no requill or reboot so, or anything so we do get the opening scene is the the shower scene from the original but then later in the movie when mary is staying in the house we get match shots from that original shower scene, you know the sh- you know the angle of underneath the shower as it turns on, mm-hmm. and like the side angle of the water coming out. Like all of those are match shots, and that's really cool. But then we have a whole different scene of her in the shower, mm-hmm. and it doesn't 
you know, it's not just like, oh, here we are in the shower and it's we're just going to have the th- the scene again. We we get a different scene and that's great. Yeah. Um, same with like the kids coming into the basement. You know, it's like they the kid finds the light bulb that got splashed with blood. And I think it's splashed with blood. Maybe it's not. It's just knocked. That's mm-hmm. right. It's just knocked around in, in the, the very end of the first one. You know, and it's like, yeah, there's the light bulb. It's pleasing. Right. But they don't like make a thing out of it. Yeah. They're just acknowledging it. And so there's something really nice to me about like the acknowledgement and moving forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, the house as a whole too, it's sort of like, you know, it got me thinking, you say that light bulb is there as a connection to the past. And that's, that's what's so neat as, um, yeah, an acknowledgement, you know, this is all the same thing. Our, our ghosts and our, this ghost in our closet. Yeah. <laughs> That's not fucking those um, closet ghosts. Um, oh, the worst. <laughs> just trying to get a, you know, a jacket. But just, it's, yeah, it's I October. mean, I want to mention the house itself. Like, it's just a symbol. It's this heavy, heavy symbol for so much. Mm-hmm. Like, what exactly? I mean, his past, a psychosis. It's its own character. It feels like almost sort of like... Um, the realm of his mod- mother. Right. The It's... It's almost like where we are. Well, where is this coming from? You know, um, circumstance. Uh, uh, what what is that? What are the other ones they say? Like this evil comes from. You know, circumstance. Oh. Um, not oh, circumstance. Um, we were just saying them. Nature, nurture. Oh sure. You yeah. think of your home as mm-hmm. a sort of yeah. emblematic of their nurture. What's your space right. that you're in? Yeah. Oh well, we talked about this in Eyes of My Mother. Yeah. You know, it's sort of the same thing. It's like left in the wrong, you know, environment. Probably going to not go great. <laughs> but to come back to it and just have the dust of everything still be circa 1960. Yeah. And it, it it also really it was interesting for me. Like, it was like, oh, we think, you know, 60s are so separate. But having this be essentially 1980, you know, it's 1983. The movie is 82, I guess, is when it takes Probably, place. Yeah. But it feels like, oh, it, it closes that gap between 60 and 80, you know, for me. as sort of, like, oh, this was the same you know, same world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, in, in this sort of smaller town, not a lot has changed that much, right? Yeah. Maybe if, if the movie took place in like a metropolis, you would see that difference. But mm-hmm. like if we went back to, uh, where is she from? Phoenix or something yeah. in the original? Like if we went back to that city, it would be a completely different city, right? <laughs> right. It's like the look would be different. It's just that's the nature of cities, but it's not. It's it's small towns. Not a whole lot's changed. It's mm-hmm. like the cop is like, yeah, I was there. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I love about too. This the connection to the original connecting their 1960 or early 80s. Um, it was it was done in a way too with just the performances. I think I don't know. There was something really interesting with Veer Miles's performances. You see, performance where you see it, where it's like we almost think of things as being more heightened or showy. You know, mm-hmm. if it's older, mm-hmm. we're used to that for black and white. But I don't know. It was neat to sort of see what felt like still the original movie being done in this one and having it work. Yeah. Like it closed that gap for me that way too. Like something just about the more, the feel, like you mentioned the cop was like, oh, I was there, but just something about the cops in uniform. It just right. felt psycho-y and connected me back to the past. Oh, well, and also, yeah, that you. this reminds me of when they're pulling the car out of the, 
the swamp or whatever. It's exact. It's the exact same shot. It's like here we are again. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's just we're it's the it's continuing in the same world that we've built, you know, and being true to it. Yeah, and that's really you know pleasing. But with this new lens, the world's yeah. different. There's right. you know people doing drugs in the motel now. Right. There's right. no exactly. longer this uh, leave it to Beaver veneer. We yeah. can hide behind or hide it behind. And then even though like more in the filmmaking too, or is this sort of a head trip on doing something in 82 that was started in 60 of like the, um, yeah, I mean, I love of course, Bernard Herman's score from the original, but I can see why it wouldn't, it wouldn't match for this Hmm. story. It's Mm -hmm. different. Like you said, this is a tragedy, you know, and that was a standalone horror story. Like, um, the Jerry Goldsmith score for this one, which is right either on the heels, one direction or the other of Poltergeist. Like you can hear it's so similar, but something about that sort of what was 1982, I think standardized Spielberg influenced aesthetic Uh Uh of a kind of, yeah, this is a normal, I don't know. It was, it was really neat to see that. Um, I don't know. Again, bridging that gap for me between the original and okay, here we are. 1982 film land yeah. yeah it's cool i i feel like you know other than the uh uh i don't know the the camera like it's an interesting thing because when you have these these match shots and sort of homage shots if you want whatever you want to call that you are also getting its own style Mm-hmm. Like the the direction and the sort of camera work in this is its own style. They're not they're not doing what Hitchcock did. Yeah, but they you know they're doing their own thing. And there's some fucking crazy stuff. That move out of the upper window when he falls asleep in the attic. Oh yeah, is fucking nuts. <laughs> and it's so disorienting. Mm-hmm. And like it's I don't. Not sure exactly. I almost think that it that there's a hidden cut in in it. Mm-hmm. You come out of the window and you kind of cross the top of the like the outside the window. There's like a little piece of gray roof, and I think that's a cut. Okay. And then they're on this crane that crane way the fuck up, that, and they're yeah they just spliced it just right. That was new. Had just come out in time for this movie. They were using. Oh boy. That shot is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it feels like you're gonna fall. Mm-hmm. And it's dis- it's disorienting because it's at a canted sort of it's a top down, but it's canted as well. Right. And the house is distorted because it's such a wide lens. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, apropos, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it felt like, um, again, like, oh, this is, yes, I'm for sure looking at the psycho house right. when you see that shot. But that shot is not in the first one. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. this is, it's, this shot is being like, this is our, you know, take on this. We're, we're doing our thing for this one, mm-hmm. which is great. It's it's awesome. Don't just do the same. Yeah. I know. And it, like when you were saying, too, where it's a shot where it's like, oh, we see this object or it's kind of a, a nod or something. Like, what is it exactly? It's so different. You can tell like this one just by continuing and exploring its own new themes and jumping off point, yada, yada. It's like each of those if we see a callback shot or an object or whatever it is, it's all of a sudden that's just loaded with new meaning. It's not mm-hmm. just like, 
in other things where Amiri go, oh yeah, that's that. I remember that. It's not doing, you don't know South Park references, but the member, yeah. member berries. Sorry, like, everybody. I, I, <laughs> the, the joke being like, where are we are now rather than actual valid, like entertainment that's, uh, that has, you know, rich with its own originality or meaning. Mm-hmm. It's nowadays, it's all about what do we member? Right, Ooh, right. I like that because I remember that. And that's the only reason I'm, you know, paying to see the new Star Wars, whatever. Yeah, it's like when you're in a group of friends that you that have known each other for a long time, the whole conversation is just references. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I remember. There's zero originality to anything anybody's saying. It's yeah. literally just like like segmented like words or lines from right. pop culture that people are just throwing out there. So this, yeah, Psycho 2 is a good <laughs> example of like where even though we're going, oh, I, I remember it's, it's not just that. It doesn't leave right. it at that. Yeah. It's expanding the ideas, the rich. Yeah. I want to talk about the, the plan, like the actual like plan of the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Because it's fucked up. And then maybe and that can lead so, us into the twist. Yes. Too, it's the final so twist. good to have this be the thing. Yeah. Because there was a moment in sort of once Mary has shown up and they're just kind of coexisting for 10 minutes of the movie or something like mm-hmm. that, where I was like, okay, like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Are, like, where are we going and is anything going to happen? And then suddenly it's like, you get a murder, you get another murder. And it's like, the the feeling of getting knocked off our pins and going, there's more going on. I was like, oh shit, mm-hmm. here we go. Something's up. And it's so fucking pleasing. It's like, it's so twisted what is the it you're talking about that that Lil, lillian lila lila that lila is fucking literally well like planting notes and like calling him on the call, phone like, how fucked up like i love a prank don't get me wrong but this is super dark and she's also having mary like rearrange the room dude to like how it looked originally that is that is Deeply fucking evil shit to (laughs) fuck with somebody on that level. To fuck with Norman Bates. I mean, they're worried about him killing people. Like, (laughs) they're killing people to get him thrown back in jail. Yeah. That's so twisted. Well, it's, I like that as a um, critique of the idea of vengeance. Right. Or justice is maybe a sort of how you would justify vengeance even more, you know, calling it that. God, I just had a realization too. Having her uh end up buried in coal (laughs) is sort of this kind of like you know it's like a metaphor for like her heart having turned to sort of you know dark yeah it's cool her her death is the greatest thing i've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) what was it i could not i would Let's. There's not a whole lot of like gro- like graphicness in this movie. It's not particularly. But you like can still shocking. tell it was a product of its time. But holy fuck, An- the psycho knife going into her mouth and out the back of her fucking neck. <laughs> <laughs> and after a pretty like the movie's kind of subtle and like you know it it plods along not in a bad way but it's it's got yeah. a pace to it. And then it's like, then that fucking shot, uh, like the the light hits the knife and it's like, whoop, right yep. in. 
Holy fuck. I yelled really loud. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, dude. I loved it. Because, it, you know, I guess because by that point, because we hadn't seen anything terribly graphic, it wasn't trying to be a slasher. That is That moment is so over the top. Mm-hmm. For for what we've seen so far, mm-hmm. that it just it blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Just it. Blew my mind. And then Robert Loja gets it good. Oh yeah, we mentioned that earlier. Yeah. He's the one who falls down <laughs> the stairs because Mar- <laughs> Mary thinks he's a bad guy. Dude, that whole sequence where the 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 plan is unraveling and nobody knows who's who and who's who to trust and who's the bad guy and who to go after. Oh, it's All tragic. Th- Mary's just in the middle of it, just trying to yeah. like. And that's Norman, what she gets. It's, it's so fitting, though, because, like, again, it's the tragedy of these things where you, you fucked up. Like, you should not have gotten involved with the sinister fucking plan. Yeah. And and watching her not be able to get out of it and not be able to defend her own shittiness and the confusion of it and, like, the just she gets what she deserves it's in like a way. so kind of... Tragically. Yeah. But, you know... Kind of perfect to see her character, like... The trajectory of her sin being she's trying to make it all okay by dressing up as as the mother. <laughs> it's like so and then misguided. Ends up repeatedly stabbing Norman, just trying to keep keep him away, just trying to be oh, like so sad. Just trying him. to stab your sanity yeah. back, but it's not working. And him just just continuing to move forward. Yeah, just it's wanting super love. Sad. <laughs> Poor Norman. <laughs> they did a good job of making him into this. Yeah. Sympathetic person, too. Um, And if, uh, I mean, we're kind of talking about some of the stuff going on in the ending here. One of my favorite moments in the movie was when he, um, uh, I mean, not not that end ending, but just kind of that end end set piece we're talking about. When he's hearing his mother on the phone. And at that, that's our first time seeing him do that. Where we know there's no one on the other end. Yes. <laughs> I, that, that, it's, it's really sad. Yeah. I go, no, oh no. I know. We thought Fuck. like we had a, we saw opportunity in there for improvement. Norman. Yeah, because he's been fucked with so much up to that point that, and he's, he's, he's right in basically being like, I'm being fucked with. Yeah. And then suddenly, it just caves in and he he is in his psychosis and again. And we have like, for the first fuck. time we have someone else, Mary in this case, observing him listening on the phone. So we don't have any doubt on That's our right. end of like, is yeah. he doing it? Is he not? Nope. He's he's there again. There it is. Oh. And it's the mother. We see him. And imagine also just from her point of view, the he's hearing the mother convince him to kill her. Right. And just to be able to not, <laughs> not say anything yeah. at that point. Oh God, mm-hmm. poor Norman. I know um, he really got dealt a, a pretty rough hand here. Yeah. The um, <laughs> you mentioned the pacing mm. in passing. Um, I loved it how it was like on the actual level of movie you see very rarely nowadays were no, I didn't say and in mainstream mm-hmm. mainstream films you don't see it where um a film is actually allowed to like breathe and you're kind of have a moment mm-hmm. with the character like oh and it actually just in that lets you really know who they are. Um so one of my favorites 
two examples of that was when he's looking at her use the phone when Norman's looking at Mary talk on the phone and he's sort of standing behind her and he's like awkward about it. Oh he, my God, he's yes. like so caught up in the, Oh, another person's here. I'm just helping her out. I don't want to be alone that he like then gets stuck in the, Oh wait, do I have to like give her some privacy here? And so he's just kind of stands and watches her for like yeah. five beats too long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then you kind of had that um, reversed when he's on the piano, I think in like the last chunk mm. before it kind of all hits the fan and Mary goes and like watches him play for a minute, kind of just not yeah. really letting him know he's that she's there. That's cool. He's ob- observing them observe. That's what yeah. says a lot. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's some. I, we've mentioned this, I think, in the past where we've been like, dude, I, can we just get like 30 seconds with the character to fucking like check in? <laughs> yeah. Where are we all at now? <laughs> like, I need that. Like, I need those breather moments to kind of get a, in touch with the, the current state of affairs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you, yeah, like modernly, I don't think a lot of people are allowing for that you know whether it's because of the cut or what you know like decisions to move things along or whatever it's like it's such a nice thing to get Mm -hmm. um this made me think of one other thing too in in the structure of this movie that they thank fucking god they didn't do the big uh, switch of of protagonist that the first one does right because i was like you know you worry that they're going to do something like that. And I had so, forgotten about it completely because this just does its own thing. Yeah. But now realizing like, oh, man, they dodged a bullet because f- can you fucking imagine? Yeah. That would have been, at that point been like it's a reboot, recall, whatever right. you want to call it. Ugh. Um, so good. But to finally get to the actual ending, Tim, you're talking yes. about twists. Yes. Yes. Let's. The, the big twist of this one was that. <laughs> so, okay. Bear with us here. No, hopefully you've seen it. You know what we're talking right. about. But it's the coincident, not coincidentally, I guess, a w- the woman from the beginning who works at the diner turns out to be Norman's actual mother who was in an asylum herself when she had Norman. And gave Norman up to her sister. Right. Who Who is the mother from the first one. Yeah. So, so it's like, and and then, so, and then once that's finally revealed, Norman then kills her with a shovel. Man, he hit her hard with that shovel. So, oh boy. which was so great as far as his whole, like, talk about, I don't want to call it love, hate. I don't know, but I guess that is what it stems from. Like relationship with his, his mother and the mother issues of that. Hmm. It's like the mother still has total control over him. No matter who his mother actually may be, it's like he has this deep, it's like he has the complex despite any of the specifics, you know, of like yeah. them always having the mother in his head. But it's more like a quote unquote, the mother, you know, at this point when it's sort of um, uh, not consequential of necessarily who is the mother at any given point. Well, it made me wonder, too, and I, I'm I'm still not really clear were were we get was Norman getting some phone calls from that woman and oh. some notes from her or like I 
I don't think it ever is really clear what's coming from who at a certain God, point. I guess that actually is, you know, a way to explain, oh, he, like the note left at the diner could have been her and she could have been in a sort of um, uh, unbeknownst to Lila cahoots with Lila. Right. That makes sense. I don't, yeah, it's never, I, I think you have to kind of watch it a few times to see if there's a little more clues as to distinguishing that. Yeah. But it, it it just it's a mind fuck because it adds this this other layer of right. of whatever how, intrigue I guess how he kills her it's like this for him like this ultimate like this is the source of all my problems my mother I gotta kill her yet he at the same time is at behest of her immediately puts her on the chair for to, to for you know to until we find out in the sequels you know possibly forever dictate his well actions yeah again. i what i love about it is that it basically it basically defines his his root psychosis mm-hmm. which is the mother figure alive is is not an acceptable reality that in order for him to feel good, to feel like his his version of normal is the 12-year-old act of giving her the tea, killing her, and then having the dead mother that he can embody. Mm-hmm. And having him walk up the stairs with her after killing her. So he just he just goes into a complete re um revivification of that event. Yeah. Give her the tea. Kill her, take her up to her room, keep her there forever so that he can go back to his normal. <laughs> and protect her and protect himself from right. the outside world with its with their its drugs and yeah. sex and all that. That's yeah. now at the motel. Right. And, and so, I, I mean, I never really thought about this, but like maybe I wonder if in the writing or the naming of Norman, if using Norm as in normal, like using that word is, is purposeful. It's pretty good. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Talking again about, um, to talk about the idea of the veneer and that effect on him of, you know, accepting evil versus denying it and all that, all that, all that good stuff. Um, God, wait, what were you just saying? <laughs> the revivification of the, the mother, and how that made his version of normal, his comfort is this particular construct. He right. needs that. That is his psychosis. Oh yeah. What um I loved how the the part where um where what's her he's forgetting all their names now. <laughs> Sorry. Mary. Oh right, Mary, yes. <laughs> where Mary's telling Norman, just remember the good things. But you- that's just it. So this this was one of the big revelations that I had as just as a person grown like realizing, you know, you have your own experience, right? Your experience is sort of defines your normal, right? Like what's comfortable for you in your life. And much of that has to do with how you experienced life as a young person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you grew up in a household that was super chaotic, that is you develop to understand that as normal and that becomes your comfort. Yeah. And so you will work to recreate that type of environment for the rest of your life because that's your normal. This is kind of like the ultimate story too of how conflict avoidant leads to 
conflict. Right. And, right. You know, that's I, like the other fascinating thing about it. Yeah. So like, that's what he needs. Mm-hmm. When all is said and done, he tried really hard to do the other, the, the normal that is the world's idea of normal. And it just doesn't work. And mm-hmm. in fact, the world made it impossible for him to have their version of normal. Yeah. Which is even weirder of a t- sort of head fuck. What do you mean in this case? Well, the world views this normal like you got to you, you're you need to be, um, you know, we're letting you out of prison or whatever the asylum and we're giving you the opportunity to lead a quote normal life as we define it, mm-hmm. you know, have a job, live a quiet, peaceful, whatever life. Don't kill anybody. (laughs) (laughs) And yet the people who are representative of that quote unquote normal world outlook are fucking with him. (laughs) Right. Like, like Lily. All except poor Robert Loggia. Or Lila. Yeah. Like Lila is, she should be, she's, she's the previous movies, you know, touchstone of, of normal, like moral reality yeah and she's in this movie fucking with his ability to attain another end of the spectrum of crazy yeah right and so of course by the end of all this bullshit he's gonna be like you know what i tried but i'm gonna go back to my normal (laughs) that's that's way more fucking comfortable for me so fuck all (laughs) y'all um but yeah the idea of going be trying to be normal again, quote unquote, uh, a theme in this too, that we didn't touch on much, but I I loved so much about this was the idea of like being given a second chance. Yeah. And sort of redemption's powerful thing. Like how people who are maybe against that are just so scared of what if they kill again and they aren't wrong because he does, you know, kill him. But at the same time, it's like where, what, where does our moral imperative as humans lie Mm. in being able to forgive? Yeah. Well, it gets real fucking broken by her right off the bat. I mean, she's just like (laughs) the things that she'll do in order to get justice in her mind are completely immoral. Yeah. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you're an asshole. (laughs) Come on. And we love her so much in the first movie. It's so good to have that turn. Yeah. And then to have the, the, the person, her daughter in between being like, and you can imagine though, like you see her, you know, just sweet, caring for a sister, persistent, smart in the original. And then all of a sudden just going on this, this, um, uh, unrivaling, you know, spiraling down the hole of, uh, going more and more, um, obsessed right. and insane. Right. It's her version of going crazy. But do you think it would then behoove her if she was, you know, with uh, the the courts on this one and Robert Loggia and saying everyone does deserve a second chance. Like, you, you know, her as the hardest person to go through that. Is that like where you think our moral imperative lies in the end? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, she's she's a, I think, justifiably complex yeah. character. And so it's like, I understand why she would be doing what she's doing right i do not agree with it i know i think but. it's like the uh yeah it's hard it's hard it's like it's like when i, I you know every once in a while i have a, you know a number of friends and my brother who who have kids and you sort of realize 
oh shit, like once you, you make a connection to these other little humans that you're like, oh, I, I have this weird instinct to be like, the things have changed in, in, in my outlook of the world. Like I would do things that I didn't think I would do to protect those kids. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you get this, like, like, I totally understand this, this impetus of her being like, this person took people I loved away and I'm, I, I can't overcome, <laughs> I can't overcome the, 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 feelings or the the motivation i have to not have that happen again yeah so much so that i'll do horrible things yeah right like in the same way that it's like if somebody you know imagining somebody doing something awful to like one of like my niece or nephew is a horrible thought but it's like oh you you go oh yeah no i would fucking kill them yeah like it would be really hard not to fucking kill somebody for who, who hurt somebody you care that much about, yeah. instinctually care about. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's very blurry. Mm-hmm. You go, well, yeah, I fucking get it. Of course she feels this it's way. A, it's like we, I don't know, in situations like that, I think it's important you have to be, uh, you kind of want to default to the victim and just be respectful of them. Like they're going to be recovering however they, they need to. Um, but then there's this other question of like, yeah, but, <laughs> morality is is gray yeah that's the problem because norman is a victim in his own right yeah and so how do you like i mean i guess that's why we i mean we're I, we're, we're sort of collectively like making I, I don't i mean this is may stir some stuff out of this but i don't think it's <laughs> it's morally gray in that she was wrong to commit murder in response to murder i agree like I think we we as a as a I think we're society there. have decided as much as you want to fucking kill somebody or you know yeah for doing something awful that hurt you or hurt somebody you love yes you want that yes you have the instinct or the thought it's just that it's but we've agreed right. that's not okay it's we, <laughs> we acknowledge like it's so deeply personal when right. you know right happens to you that. She said, yeah, you're, you aren't wrong for your feeling though, if you want to kill that guy. (laughs) No. And right. And you shouldn't, nobody can tell you that your feelings are wrong. Like they're your feelings. That's what they are. But how we deal with them and what we choose to do in response to them is important. And we largely agree generally (laughs) on certain fairly black and white rules. Mm -hmm. We've, that's, I mean, that's why we're still around, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise we would just blown ourselves up anyway a long time ago we might still do it who knows but yeah, you know I, don't, I think forgiveness is a very powerful yes powerful right. thing and, and it would have been interesting to see her and maybe she i don't know maybe we, there's sort of moments or glimpses of that in this but to see it even more magnified her having to face the idea of forgiving norman yeah. would be fucking super intense i mean instead she got a knife through the mouth (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you know she She may have honestly preferred that she kind of brought it on yeah so uh pretty intense also loved bloody rag stuffed in the toilet i yeah i wanted more it's like we're in color dude let's get some more blood i mean that was it that was like that was the only one i wanted more um Loved that. I'm a bit of a, I think I'm a bit of a, what do you call it? 
I just love lots of pooling blood. Mm-hmm. I just love it. I just want to pour blood all over everything. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe there's some more in the next one. We'll see. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to think of anything else I loved, um, what worked. I let his quote, Mary, I'm becoming confused again, aren't I? <laughs> so like good. That just says it all right there. Yep. Like he's, he's, he's lost his sanity by having to ask, am I crazy or not kind mm-hmm. of thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, and then it's just so layered with her being like, y- yeah, but no, <laughs> but right. not being allowed to tell him. Right. Um, anyway. I think that's most of everything I had at least written down, but... You know what I re- really worked for me? Is that shitty little mattress that the kids unroll in the basement and sit on and smoke a J. Mm-hmm. Man, and that kid, that is that is an exercise in watching two actors very uncomfortably touch each other. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciated it. Yeah. You know, like his boob grab is just so... So awkward. Oh, yeah. What did you say about that? <laughs> I don't remember. It? I just, I just was like, God, it's just such an odd. Like he, he's clearly being told by the director, no, no, no. It's you know, like, just, just grab her boob. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm also trying to be high. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's good. It's such a funny scene of of him like stumbling on the wood pile. Yeah. It's it's borderline slapstick. Yeah. But, you know, it's fun. Anthony Perkins. So, 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 so good. Yep. Great. So we do what did not work for us? I think we should. All right. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? (laughs) Do you have anything? You know, Tim... I don't. Okay. I I think for all of them, it's like there's the little part of me that wants to say there's kind of dated in a way. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. whatever. I, like, have, I, I still like that about them, though, you yeah. know? I, I, have, I have one that's technical, and it's an aesthetic thing. It's really just that. When he gets back to the house for the first... I get kind of why you do this or like what the, the choice was motivated by. I just don't like it. When he gets back to the house, it's it's very um oh shit, now I'm not remembering the actual terminology. It is uh fuzzy and blown out. The the image, it's very soft. Mm-hmm. The light is really really soft and shiny and and it's it's an aesthetic that is almost like they put a cheesecloth over the lens and made everything like really soft and fuzzy. Yeah. And I, I just don't like it. I'm like, it's, it's, it seemed wrong and weird for that to be coming back to that house and then get this very, uh, blown out kind of dreamy yeah. look. Just, I just was like, ah. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. I love I that. Like as this kind of, as I said, like Spielbergy, dreamy from a past kind of like yes. he's seeing, let us see the good in it as he sees it first. I just, I think it tipped too far. Got I think it. if they had, you know, ratcheted it back maybe 20%, <laughs> I wouldn't have even thought anything of it and been like, cool. Mm-hmm. But I was like, um, and that's the only time it happens, yeah. really. Like the aesthetic gets very, very crisp after that for the rest of the movie. There is... 
when first seeing it, and then the second time, I I kept wanting to think. I kept, I kept being on the fence if that final twist was working for me or not, as if it was undermining to sort of everything somehow. That's my other one. Really? Okay. I, I'm I'm I've I've now though on the camp of like, um, no, it's just it's just pushing it all further. Like it. I get why you do it, and I'm I'm not. Like, 100% it, against it. I feel it. like it works even though it shouldn't kind it, of thing it, is where exactly. I'm at. <laughs> in, in, in its, on its face, it's a retcon and it's and it, it to me is undercutting the value of the first movie mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I mean, it's basically being like, yeah, well, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you're crazy, but it's not because your mom was horrible or because you're implicit or inherently bad. It's because your other mom <laughs> yeah. was crazy. But then like what it does with him then killing her the same way it sort of then says something about that yeah. it's like actually it's all the same no matter what right and like obviously we just extensively talked about how that is working yeah i'm i'm okay with it but in in the moment i do it it's hard to not be like okay it's hard it's yeah. a retcon i think i say that as in the moment maybe the first time yeah wasn't crazy about, but it's really won me over now well and That's it's where I'm at you know it, so. if you're taking this movie and you're saying as the people who are making this series you're going well we want to do more yeah it's appropriate you, <laughs> yeah you need that to get well, well you don't need it but it is a way into the next movie. but just like i have no I idea know, what it, the next movie is but yeah but just story stuff aside or just sort of like obligatory twist stuff aside as i guess i already said it just it takes things further mm-hmm I already said this, that idea of, yeah, it doesn't matter who the mother is at any given point. Like, right. And, and then we still get the nature versus nurture. Like we'll see in, in psycho four or like, you know, the show, uh, is it called Bates motel Mm -hmm. is the show like, so the sort of more relationship at the time between him and his mother, it doesn't matter, you know, biological or not. It's just like, (laughs) that's true. Um, but that's the same thing. It does because then that brings up the question that he has of like, am I, you know, genetically evil? Is that a part of it? Right. So then right. it just makes all that even more interesting yeah. Yeah. for me. So I don't know. It's just this, this whole idea of Norman Bates is loaded. It didn't make it any less loaded. Yeah. I'm, you know, like I said, I only, those are my only really two. They're like, I, I guess I mentioned kind of, I I was very close to being like, Okay, this movie. Where are we going? Is it gonna is something yeah. happen? But then it does. So I, you know, it was it's, fleeting. It's pacing at the same. Like why I said, I liked that it it was paced well. At the same time, so you're like maybe experience some moments where you're just like, where 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 are we again? What's what's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but very 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 minor. Yeah. You know what re- really didn't work for me? Mary goes to sleep with Norman holding a knife in the room with her. And I'm I like, said, there's no way you would do that. I didn't think she, I read yeah. the scene as she's awake the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And then she kind of, as, <laughs> she pops right up. Yeah. She's like, Norman, please stop standing over me like a fucking nut. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Well, then things of note. Yeah. All right. Things of note. This should be interesting. So many things of note. I just loved the, uh, it's got to mention that the tagline, like the poster tagline for it, 
it's 22 years later and Norman Bates is finally coming home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Finally, Norman. (laughs) There he is. The world was really just clamoring for your return. Mm -hmm. What else you got? Oh, I thought you sounded like you had a lot. No, I just know you have a lot. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was written by Tom Holland, who went on to... Spider-Man. Oh, a different Tom Holland? Oh, the guy, the actor who plays. <laughs> no, come on. Core movie Tom Holland, Tim. Oh, that one. Directed, wrote Fright Night and Child's Play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So oh, he, yeah. He wrote this film, Psycho 2. Did the Langoliers. He did the Thinner. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he, he knows um, what's up. Some stuff. Ooh, he's from Poughkeepsie. About the production. <laughs> I was reading from this website. It was uh, Feo Amante's com where um, during the production of it, you know, they had stills from this book that was all about the production of it to try to recreate everything, but it was like a challenge because there's nothing really in color from the original when trying to recreate the house, how it was. Um, So it was cool. You had the set decorator, Jennifer Polito, hunted down many of the actual props from the first Mm, film. Cool. They'd just been like collecting dust in a prop rental house somewhere. Yeah. see where they were covered oh yeah and like some of the other props were covered were the original stuffed birds the owl the raven the lamps in the motel like all that good stuff so it's just neat to hear that they actually found the original props which that's awesome (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's an easy including oh and except for this is i reading in a, a new york times article that came out at the time just about the release of this film was that the famous showerhead went missing um. during pre-production <laughs> and that the that showerhead wasn't just famous from um psycho but it was used earlier that year in the thing <gasps> somewhere Whoa. i don't know i don't know where when or how or if it was even screen used but uh, according to this new york times article is the same showerhead oh, that the, the thing, thing used in the thing yeah. i know that's interesting. Where the hell is it in the thing? I don't think I'll look for it. <laughs> uh, I've got one. Yeah. You, I'm sure you have it. But uh, Mary, played by Meg Tilly. Mm-hmm. Younger sister of Jennifer Tilly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. We thought so because we were like, man, she looks familiar. Oh, her they name's Meg alike. Tilly. Okay. Yeah, they look yeah. very alike. Um, you know Jennifer Tilly, everybody. You know her. Yeah. Bride of Chucky. Um, so the director, Richard Franklin, in the same um, Feo Amante's website, he was writing about how uh, he's a quote-unquote disciple of Hitchcock's, where um, he like first saw Psycho when he was 12. He was a big fan of his, but at USC, like got to meet Hitchcock. Um, and then what do you say? He, he worked with him for some time or something like that. God, I should have known this. I should have read this better. Sorry, I thought like I could just read it off of it, but this is pretty detailed. Anyway, <laughs> someone who was like very, but then I guess what was interesting to me about it, it was like someone who like clearly was sort of a protege almost of the original, but then at the same time says like, but it's, it's, but it is its own thing at the same time. Yeah. Like we were talking about having to do something different. Like, yeah, what did he say? That this one, it's part horror film, part gothic melodrama, and part black comedy all mixed together as far as the original. So now the second one is continuing in that sense. 
Yeah. Um, it's a psychological thriller that works on one level as a fairly complex puzzle to be unraveled while keeping us emotionally involved in another level. You, you see this? It was... Um, originally, the film was intended as a made-for-cable. <laughs> that would have been worse. Um, I saw it as, like, it got... It was something about it was made... Not that it was originally... Okay, where, yeah, there was a production fund of about, I think it was $18 million, where this uh, producer, <laughs> producer is basically like uh, working with Universal, I think. It's like, okay, we have this fund, we'll make eight, the, the idea is we'll make four films with $18 million and have them be something that can be released theatrically, but then we're getting the money in assuming they'll do well on TV or can be sold for TV. Mm. So it was the kind of like, but, but then what they said is, but we don't want to make your sort of typical, uh, um, straight to TV type film. Sure. Um, but then it just sort of came up as like, well, psycho has always done well. So maybe it's about time we do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it came to be. I mean, dude, I mean, how are you going to not like the brand psycho? Mm hmm. Like, you're going to dumb that down? Give me a fucking break. You'd be nuts. I mean, I'm glad for these films that they were made. Otherwise, we probably would get a really, really crappy sequel remake made now. You know, if if, if oh, we only ever had the original, it'd be like, like what they were coming. doing with uh, Mary Poppins and Halloween and all this stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, granted, those you, were all right. But still, yeah, they, you, they're, they're requel, the reboot things. Yes. This I like this that they didn't know that they were gonna get Anthony Perkins back, <laughs> and so they can they were gonna recast potentially Christopher Christopher Walken oh, was one of the people who was being considered. Sure, <laughs> no thanks. Uh, um, I thought this was cool that one of the producers on Psycho Two, Hilton Green, he worked worked for Hitchcock for twenty years, and oh. he was the first assistant director on Psycho. So oh, you wow. had the first AD on the original Shit. coming back producing this one, which that's cool. Is, yeah, it's it's so neat to me, just as sort of like we're talking about how this is an extension of the original, had still a piece of it, just to have people working on it. I think that really does add in a kind of. Uh, I don't know, almost ethereal, mystical, you know, can't place it way of just they were there, whatever was going on, they're kind of a, a connectivity thread. Mm-hmm. That's cool. However that works, yeah. I bet it was really, really interesting to be on that set. Yeah, you hear from like Vera Miles and this producer just saying, wow, what a trip, walking back on this after 22 yeah. years. That's cool. And it looked exactly the same, too. Um... What else? That's all I have. I don't know. Well, yeah. I want to read up on more about it, watch some documentaries, hopefully in time for uh, three and four and mm -hmm. one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe they made a fourth one. That's Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Do you got anything else for Psycho 2? No, man. It was good. Great. Good to hear. All right. Should we do our recommendations? Yeah. What do you got? Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. I thought I didn't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> yeah. No, looking at my letterbox diary, I watched the movie Glass finally. Oh, did you? I, I loved it. You did? Yeah. Oh, man. I just couldn't get through it. Oh, it was so good, Tim. I 
I love this whole Shalamana Mamana essence that's going on. Oh, man. His new movies. It it was rough for me. I don't know. So many just like fun little touches. It's like ridiculous, but it's good. It's like cool. It's fun. Okay. (laughs) Well, whatever. I watched that a few weeks ago and I had a little heart next to it. So. Wow. I mean, shocker, you and I have different taste. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot of similar tastes. No, we do. Um, Well, I've been so wrapped up in making my movie um, with my my directing cohort, Shane Sabella. Shout out, Shane Sabella. We made a movie. Um, uh, That, I, I mean, my brain has just only been on that. But we shot it as a Western. It's not a Western, but we shot it aesthetically to feel like a Western. Um, so that got me thinking about Westerns that I've liked and seen, um, but then trying to connect it to horror mm-hmm. uh, made me remember uh, Bone Tomahawk. Have you seen that? No. <laughs> I've heard of it. <laughs> it's pretty nuts, though. It's, so, it's, you know, it's a Western that turns into a horror film. It's, it's fun. Um, so, so if you haven't seen that, it's, it's worth watching. Great. Kurt Russell is. Oh yeah. He's fucking awesome. (laughs) There are some talk about graphic kills. That movie gets real fucked up. (laughs) Cool. So on that recommendation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Want to see it then. Yeah. It's cool. All right. Well, we know what next week's movie is already. It's going to be psycho three. That's right. Watch it. Enjoy your October. Psycho 3, Lost in New York. <laughs> I have no idea. I've known nothing about what Psycho 3 it's is. Just Psycho 3. Well, you will <laughs> soon enough, Tim. I'm excited to watch it with you and talk about it. Next Me time, yeah. Dismembering Horror. In the meantime, you can find us at dismemberinghorror.com on Instagram, dismemberinghorror, dismemberinghorror at gmail.com, and dishorrorpod on Twitter. Wow, you have just blew through that. Yep. Good job. Yep. I could never do it. <laughs> uh, you can find Ryan at his his website. That's right. I'm at ryanmcduffie.com. Um, and I guess this, I since we've talked about it, you can you can now find some of what my Shane and I, my, my I don't know what they're called, directing partner. I guess is mm-hmm. what you would call them, writing, directing, producing partner, whatever. Um, we do have a website now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So we're under Silent Thunder Films. Great. I'll go to com. it. Um, one T. Silent. So it's Silent Thunder. So our company is called Silent Thunder Films, but the website we got was just one T because it looked really weird with two T's <laughs> next to each other. <laughs> I can just see you guys freaking out over that. We were like, ooh, weird. the fuck? I don't know. I think you should have gone with the two T's. Well, we didn't. Silent Thunder. Yeah, Silent Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> or Silent Thunder. Silent Thunder. <laughs> Films.com. And check it out. We'll start posting, you know, stuff on there about the shoot. It was fun. Cool. Or, and, and, you know, same thing. We have It's the same Instagram or whatever. So, yeah. Cool. Wonderful. Well, in closing, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>